Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. And before we begin this week's episode, I just wanted to start by dedicating this Practical Parsha podcast episode to a dear friend and listener to this podcast, Stephen Miller, who, God willing, in a few weeks' time, will be making Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael to be moving to the Holy Land. And this episode is dedicated to him and wishing him all the best in his new move and his life going forward in the Holy Land. Please keep us in mind, Steve. And as always, before we begin, if you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out and dedicate an episode yourself to someone you love or for a special occasion, don't hesitate to reach out. My email address is rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. This week's Parsha is Parshas Kisavo. And the Parsha continues with Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to the Jewish people on the banks of the Jordan River. And this week's Parsha starts off with the special mitzvah of Bikurim, the mitzvah to bring the first fruits. Now, when the Jewish people would enter the land and they would start working Eretz Yisrael, they work the, the land to bring forth fruit, a special mitzvah is given to them that the first fruit that ripens, a red string would be attached to it and it would have to be brought to Jerusalem in a grand procession, which maybe we'll speak about a little bit later. And only there in Jerusalem could it be eaten. And the Talmud tells us how the procession of the Bikurim was a joyous, very, very joyous occasion. There were you know, the, the fruits were adorned, the animals that brought the fruits were, were, were decorated, the sages would come out from Jerusalem to greet the Bikurim, there would be singing, there would be dancing. And it was a very special and joyous mitzvah. Now, there's much to be said about the, the importance of this mitzvah, what it signifies, what it can teach us. And we'll hopefully get into that a little bit later in the episode. The Parsha also deals with this special vidoy maisres, the confession of the tithes, where every third and sixth year, uh, a person would make a special confession that they had tithed properly, that different years had different tithes given to different people. And on the third and the sixth year, there is a special prayer which is said that a person did um, all the, the tithes properly. All, he gave all the maestros in the proper way. And um, they make that declaration then. The Parsha continues with a new covenant, a new commitment that Moshe Rabbeinu makes with the Jewish people that really starts right now and it's continue when the Jewish people enter in the land of Israel. And as I mentioned um, a few weeks ago, that when the Jewish people are to enter the land of Israel, they'll have the ritual of the blessing and the curses. And they'll have to answer Amen. They'll have to say Amen to the blessings, the the things that will, good will happen to the Jewish people if we listen to Hashem and and if we don't listen to what the Torah tells us, God forbid all the bad things that can come upon us. And Moshe Rabbeinu goes on to tell the people what they have to do when they enter the land of Israel to fulfill this um, event of the curses and the blessings on Har Grizim and Har Evel. And the, 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 the brachos and the klalos, as they're known, really teach us how our connection to doing the right thing, that if the Jewish people do what we're supposed to do, 
and we follow the Torah, things will be good to us and we'll have all the blessings that we're supposed to have. But if, God forbid, we don't do what we're supposed to do, then, God forbid, bad things can happen to us. And that is the description of the brachos and the close in this week's parsha, which is also known as the admonition, the tochacha. The first idea I wanted to share with you today focuses in on the mitzvah of Bikurim. The Torah starts off, It will be when you enter the land that Hashem your God gives you as an inheritance, you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take the first of every fruit of the ground that you bring in from your land that Hashem your God gives you and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that Hashem your God will choose to make His name rest there. The Torah is telling us the obligation that a person who lives in the land of Israel that has a fruit tree of the seven types of fruit would take a ribbon, tie it around that fruit, and when it was ready to be picked, take it, put it into a basket, bring it to Jerusalem. And there's this grand procession that would take place. And even after it was brought to Jerusalem, it had to be brought to the temple where the Torah tells us, you shall come to whoever will be the Kohen in those days and you shall say to him, I declare today to Hashem your God that I have come to the land that Hashem swore to our forefathers to give us. The Kohen shall take the basket from your hand and lay it before the altar of Hashem your God. So that this farmer this person comes to the Beis Hamikdash, comes to the temple, and makes a declaration, a special declaration for Bikurim. He hands it to the Kohen, and it is taken and eaten by the Kohanim. Now, it's very interesting. The Talmud tells us about how great of a procession, how amazing this mitzvah was, the joy that accompanied it. But there's something very interesting about the process which the Talmud tells us. So we see in the psukim, in the verses, that he puts the fruit into a basket and the Kohen takes the basket. There's an interesting Gemara in Baba Kama, Tractate Baba Kama, that really ties into our Parsha and brings out a very beautiful idea. The Talmud says as follows, Amalei Rabba Rabba Barmari. Rabba said to Rabba Barmari, Mino ha-milsa da'amri inchi. From where can we learn a source for this thing that people say? Right? They're saying the people say this phrase and what's the source of this common expression that people say to each other? And what's the phrase? Basar ania ozla aniusa. Poverty follows after the poor. That seems like poor people stay poor, right? Where is the source for this phrase that people say? It must come from somewhere. So Rabbi Mari says back to, to Rava, says Ditnan, for we have learned in the Mishnah, the wealthy bring their bikurim to the temple in baskets of silver and gold. While the poor bring theirs in baskets of peeled willow twigs. The poor would give the baskets and the bikurim to the kohanim, but the wealthy would keep their baskets. Meaning, when the poor people would, would bring their bikurim to the Beis Migdash, the Kohanim would take the fruits with the baskets, but when the wealthy people would come to the Beis Migdash to give their bikurim in the gold and silver baskets, not the simple um, twill ones that the, the poor people were bringing, they would give those gold and silver vessels back to the owners. So it's very interesting. When the poor people would give it, they would take the fruits with their straw baskets and thus the poor people would lose their baskets. 
But when the rich people would give it, they would take the fruits and give back their silver and gold vessels. It should seem the other way around. Why are the Kohanim taking the fruits and the basket from the poor people? They don't have anything. But yet, when it comes to the wealthy individuals, they're just taking the fruits and giving back the gold and silver vessels that are holding the, the fruits. What's going on over here? And it's brought down from David of Tolna. He brings down a, a uh, story that helps us understand this mitzvah and really gives us a, a tremendous outlook on how we should view mitzvot as well. So David of Tolna says that when he would enter a town, there were different types of people that would be excited about his arrival. There was one individual, a poor fellow, who when he heard that the Rebbe, the Grand Rabbi, was coming to his town, he was very sad. And he told his wife, you know, what are we going to do when the Rebbe comes to town? And she says, what's the matter? You should be excited that your teacher, your, your Rabbi, is coming here. But he says that the custom is that whenever the Rebbe comes, you have to, you're supposed to give him a donation. You give him something that he should, a pidyon it's called. It's like a redemption. You give him some charity and it should be a redemption. He takes it and he gives it to poor people. But I don't have anything. We don't have anything to give to give the Rebbe. So therefore, I'm sad. So the wife says, okay, I'm going to quickly prepare some pastries. I'll prepare some things and I'll sell in the marketplace. You'll earn a ruble and you'll give that ruble to the Rebbe as a pidyon. You'll give it to him for tzedakah. After he hears this, this fellow, this poor fellow who didn't have much to his name, is so excited about What's going to happen? His wife's going to work hard and have the ruble and he'll be able to give something to the Rebbe. Meanwhile, on the other side of town is a wealthy individual. And he also hears that the Rebbe's coming to town. And he's also sad. And his wife says, why are you sad? You know, your teacher's coming to town. The Rebbe's coming to town. And the wealthy individual says, when the Rebbe's going to come, He's going to ask for me of a large donations. And I could see that I could see it already now that another 50 rubles is going to be gone. So Rabbi David of Tolna says, it's very important to give a lot of tzedakah, to give a lot of charity. But the single ruble that was given out of love is more dear to me than the 50 rubles given begrudgingly. And this idea is really ties into this Gemara, this story in the Talmud, that's brought down by Rava and Rava Barmori. Because what does Hashem want from us? Hashem wants our heart. Hashem libi chafetz. He wants our heart. And when, when this farmer, when these poor farmers would come and bring their bikurim, they were giving their whole everything, their whole essence. They worked so hard on these fruits. And now they didn't even, they had nothing to put it in. So they just quickly made some basket out of any material to hold the fruits the best that they can to bring it to Jerusalem and now they gave it to the coin. On the flip side, the wealthy individuals, maybe they were not as happy to go to Jerusalem. Another trip to Jerusalem and, I'm, and I can't just bring the fruits as they are. I have to, you know, my status requires me to bring them in, in gold and silver vessels. So I guess I have to do that also. And their heart was not into the mitzvah as much as the poor fellow who was just giving the fruits, giving everything they had. So therefore, the Kohanim took the fruits with the basket because it was so dear to them 
And it was, it sort of represented how the mitzvah was truly done out of love. That the mitzvah was with the full heart. But yet, the wealthy individuals who were maybe doing it out of pressure, who maybe didn't feel that love of the mitzvah as much as those other fellows, they would give the gold and silver vessels back to them. And really this teaches us a tremendous lesson, and this really ties in to the whole concept of Bikurim, where there's so much joy and gratitude, the whole mitzvah represents this idea, is that when we do mitzvos, how do we look at the mitzvos we do? Do we look at the mitzvos as 613 mitzvos? Or God forbid, do we look at it as 613 problems? And, you know, this is a very important attitude to keep in mind because it's not just doing the mitzvos, but it's how we do them. Are we excited about the things that we're doing? Are we happy about the Torah we learn, about the mitzvos that we do? Or we're doing it begrudgingly? Because Hashem wants our heart. He wants us not to say one thing and do another thing. Not to be a social, you know, socially Jewish, but in our heart we're somewhere else. And that's our job. You know, I'm not saying it's always easy to have our heart and our actions in the same place. But we need to get to that point. And I believe that one practical idea to sort of help put our heart into things is to look at the things that we do, the mitzvahs that we do do, the Torah that we do learn, and try to find, start from there. Take the things that, the mitzvahs you perform, and try to work on those things. And the outlook that we have is that if you're doing it anyways, why don't you do it right? And this is actually something that a Rebbe of mine, a rabbi of mine, used to tell us in yeshiva. He says, I'm not telling you guys to do extra. I'm just telling you that what you're doing already, do it right. And maybe even to break it down even more, is to take something that you're doing already and to take one thing and try to put your heart into it, just to focus onto it, just to have a little bit of a concentration. And slowly but surely, you're going to see it's going to have an effect on the way you feel towards the mitzvah, the way you, you know, the way it's affecting you, how you feel connected to it. And success breeds success, and God willing, it will spill over into other areas of our Judaism. Another important point from this idea, from this Gemara, that we see is that a person shouldn't feel that only if they have the gold and silver vessels can they bring the Bikurim. But rather, even if their baskets are made out of just regular material, plain material, they could still bring their fruits to Hashem. Now, what do I mean by this? Is that a lot of times people, you know, make perfect the enemy of the good. We shouldn't feel that maybe we're not good enough to do a mitzvah. Maybe we don't have um, enough money to do it in the proper way. Or maybe we're not smart enough to know everything we're supposed to know. That shouldn't be a reason to hold us back from performing mitzvos. From the mitzvah of Bikurim, specifically the story in the Talmud where we see that the Kohanim treasured the baskets of the poor people which were made out of simple material, we see that it's important to have our heart into the things that we do. And we shouldn't think that we need to be a higher, a higher level in order to do the mitzvahs. Obviously, we want to strive to become better. We want to work on ourselves. But we shouldn't think that we need to be perfect in order, in order to do a mitzvah. Wherever we are, we have the opportunity to come to Hashem and to give our heart, to pour out our, our heart to Hashem and to be truly authentic inside and out. The second thought I wanted to share with you today is also on the mitzvah Bikurim 
Because at the end of the mitzvah of Bikurim, the Torah tells us something very interesting. You know, after making a, a confession, interesting confession about how Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim and, and how Lavan, Laban, tried to destroy us, the Torah says, V'samachta b'cholatov asher nasan l'cha Hashem elokecha l'veisecha ata v'halevi v'hager asher b'kirbecha. That you shall be glad with all the goodness that Hashem your God has given you and your household, you and the Levite and the proselyte who is in your midst. That the Torah is telling us here to be happy with all the good that we have. Now, it's very interesting. You know, this individual, he made his way after growing these fruits and putting his heart and soul into bringing them to Jerusalem. There's a whole procession, singing, dancing. The sages come out. You can imagine there's a lot of honor given to the Bikurim. Why can't we just assume that he's happy? Why is there a commandment in the Torah to be happy with all the good that Hashem has given us? Right? Isn't it obvious? Isn't it automatic that all this good that this person is experiencing, this you know euphoric moment of gladness, of joy... He should be happy. Why does the Torah need to tell us to be happy when it comes to this mitzvah? In this moment especially when, you know, everything is going great. And the, the answer to that is that the nature of a person is to focus on what he or she doesn't have. As we're taught in Kohelis Rabbah, Yesh mona ratzom That if someone has 100, he wants 200. And sometimes our moments of joy are mixed with sadness of things that we think we're missing, of the things that we think that we're lacking. And the Torah is giving us a very powerful lesson that even in the most joyous moments when everything seems to be going well, we need to focus on all the good and all the blessing that Hashem has given us. Right, So even this individual, he came, he worked so hard, this, these fruits are his heart and soul. And that in itself, I'm sure, causes a person to feel very accomplished, to feel very good. Still, there's a natural tendency to think what we're missing. And we should realize that being happy is not on the things that we need, but rather focusing on the things that we have. And that's what the Torah is telling us here. Look at all the good that you have, you and your household, all the blessings that you've received. Because when we focus on the things that we are lacking, that we're missing, we're never going to be happy. The way to attain true joy, to be constantly in a state of happiness, is to focus on all the things that we have. And the, the, the way we can understand this is that if somebody would have you know, a Swiss bank account, with your name on it, but you didn't know about it, would that cause you to be happy? No, because you don't know about it. It's only when we're focusing on something, on the blessings that we already have, that's when we truly can be joyous. And this is actually taught to us in Perkeavos and Ethics of the Fathers, that who is truly a happy person? Someone who is happy with their lot. That when we're happy with what we have, when we count our blessings, when we truly recognize all the good that has happened to us in our life, and every person has good that's occurred to them 
every day, throughout their life, every moment. But we have to actively pursue it. We have to actively look for it because the normal tendency of a person is to focus on the negative. So unless we're looking at the good, we're going to be turning back to the negative. And the Torah is telling us here, focus on the good, and when we focus on the good, we'll be truly happy. That's going to finish for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.